the mind by nature is radiant and pure, the Buddha said. It is shining. It is because of visiting forces, known as defilements, that we suffer. It is because of visiting forces, known as defilements, that we suffer. When you reflect back over today's practice, and you recall the frustration, the disappointment, the doubt, the restlessness, the anxiety, the challenges, and the, the dissatisfaction, the suffering that you experience today. All of it was caused by some temporary visitor to the mind. It's not who you are. It's not how you are. It's not yours. It's just an adventitious visitor to the mind that has caused all that suffering. And not only today, but throughout your life. When we hear this teaching of the Buddha, we might want to inquire in light of the three yogi jobs that I spoke about the other night. What is the skillful way of understanding these defilements? What is the right view to take towards these defilements? And how can we establish awareness or mindful awareness of them? And how can we sustain the continuity of awareness, persevere in the continuity of awareness in spite of them? These are the three yogi jobs that I spoke about. Tonight I want to speak about what I'm calling the defilements. But we should understand that the word defilement is the English word for the Buddhist Pali word or Pali language word of kilesa. And kilesa really means torment of the mind. You know what they are? The torments of the mind? They're the defilements. So I'm going to use the word defilement, but you should understand that it means kalesa because when you eventually get to studying Pali, you'll understand more about what kalesas uh, are, what the defilements are. So when we inquire, what is the skillful way of understanding these defilements? What should we know about them? Well, defilements are those thoughts, feelings, moods, assumptions, beliefs that cause us to suffer. They are all rooted in some form of delusion or ignorance. Ignorance is the uh, blindness that just doesn't know what is going on. And to give you an example of how you experience that today, you remember when the mind wanders off into some fantasy la-la land, and when it wanders off in thinking, you, as the yogi sitting here in the hall, have no idea what you're thinking about. You don't know that you're thinking. You don't know what you're thinking about. You don't know how you feel about what you're thinking about. You don't know when you started thinking about it. 
You don't know when it ends, until it ends. Did you ever have that happen today? <laughs> That's ignorance. Just don't even know what's going on. And it's kind of shocking that the mind can be so busy doing so much without our being aware of it at all. Isn't it? <laughs> but sometimes these thoughts, moods, beliefs are accompanied by delusion. Delusion isn't the bold ignorance of not knowing at all, but it's knowing wrongly. It is ascribing value and meaning and significance to things that don't inherently have them. To give you another example. So you see, you come in the hall and you see somebody sitting there, perfect lotus, full lotus position, sitting perfectly still, and when you get up to leave an hour later, because the sitting is over, they're still sitting there. And you think, wow, must be a good yogi. <laughs> Why do we ascribe that value, that significance to something that's just a mere appearance? We have no idea what is going on in that person's mind. Maybe nothing. They could be having just a long wandering mind. And yet we're deluded in believing something about that perception that is not inherent in the perception or in the activity that we see itself. And so all of our defilements, all of the defilements that arise in the mind are accompanied by this ignorance of not knowing or this delusion of knowing wrongly. They're also all accompanied by restlessness the restlessness of the mind. And the restlessness of the mind is essentially out-of-control thinking. Now, let me be clear. Thinking is not the problem. It's when we're not aware of thinking that it becomes a problem. Because to do wholesome activity, to practice generosity, to keep the precepts, to practice mindfulness here, takes a lot of thinking. And those are all wholesome thoughts that support Dharma practice. So thinking is not the problem. It's when we're not aware of the thinking that it creates a problem. The defilements are accompanied by thinking that we're not aware of. And often the defilements are some form of or are accompanied by attachment in the form of craving, longing, desire, infatuation, or some form of aversion. Hatred, anger, irritation, frustration, disappointment, fear, depression, despair. Wow. When you hear a list like that, what else is there? <laughs> we, can, we can chuckle about that because so much of our experience today is obviously rooted in or contaminated by or influenced by the defilements. Normally we could say that the defilements arise so frequently in the mind, <clears throat> we've become habituated to them. They have become the 
uh, kind of like the default setting of our mind. Our first reaction to challenging situations is to get impatient or irritated. It's almost as if it is who we are. We could say that our personality is in large part, not completely, but in large part, a display of our recurring defilements. Ouch. (laughs) And we often identify the defilements as me or mine. It's my anger. It's my fear. I am an impatient person. These are all wrong understandings of the defilements. Remember, the defilements are merely temporary visitors to the mind. And yet, it seems quite natural to say, they're an angry person, or I'm an impatient person. But it's only because of the frequency with which those, that mind is visited by that defilement without being seen, without being recognized, without being worked with in practice. These defilements really interfere with our life because they obstruct our capacity to live a full life. Take fear, for example. Fear is a defilement. It's a form of aversion. Something has arisen that we we push away from. We don't want to get near. We run away from it. We keep our distance. There are things to be afraid of. Let's face it, there are dangers in the world that we want to be afraid of. Being afraid of things that can cause you harm is wisdom. (laughs) However, take a look in your mind and see how much we fear out of loss of face, uh, shame, fear of being humiliated, fear of pain, fear of boredom, fear of loneliness, these are not going to harm you. But because we're afraid to feel them, we shut off, we push away from, we're actually afraid to experience much of life. And so as we move through the years of our human life, we cut off more and more and more of what it is possible to experience as a human being until we're living in this little box of what is acceptable, that we feel safe with, that is approved, and that we can tolerate without too much discomfort, and it keeps shrinking. Defilements really interfere with living a full human life. They also really hinder our practice of meditation. They, they get in the way, and five of the Defilements are known as the hindrances, the kinds of defilements that stop us in our tracks as we try to practice. So let's see that if the defilements are this, this is the way to understand the defilements. It's easy to see that they really are dangerous to our life, right? They're really not They're not a good friend. But we also have to understand that the Dharma is the way things are. 
we can say the Dharma is the way it is. It's the truth. It's the truth of this moment. And if in this moment you are experiencing or one of the defilements has arisen in the mind, the arising of the defilement is also the Dharma. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It is risen due to causes and conditions. It is a naturally occurring event. When it arises, it is a Dhamma to be experienced. It is something to be known with mindfulness, and it's something to be understood through insight. So the proper way of understanding the defilements is that rather than being an obstacle to our life or to our practice, they present us with an opportunity to gain knowledge and liberation. Now, let me repeat that. Today, when you experience frustration, disappointment, anxiety, restlessness, self-judgment and criticism, these were opportunities for liberation rather than an obstacle to your meditation practice. So you can see that it's not always easy to have right view or to have a skillful understanding of our experience. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Usually when we meet frustration and disappointment and anxiety, we think, oh, this is a, this is a problem. I've got to get rid of this so that I can get on with my meditation practice. This is the very place for establishing awareness and growing in wisdom and understanding. So we can see that there is this danger to the defilements. Because they visit the mind, they cause us to suffer. How do we suffer with the defilements? Well, they come accompanied by restlessness, some form of ignorance. And they cause, as you may have noticed, that when we're lost in thought, often the body gets tight and, and kind of wound up in tension. Tension, kind of gripping, holding on to some thing. I tell the story when I first went to my first retreat. I'd been out of uh, the university for a few years where I studied engineering for a while, doing a lot of longhand math. And, you know, this was before handheld calculators, you know, slide rule stuff, a lot of math. Did a lot of mathematical calculations in the mind. So when I went on my first retreat and my mind wandered away off of the present moment, it wandered into calculating very complex mathematical calculations. <laughs> Why it did that? Well, that's what it's been trained to do. So I would be, my mind would wander away and I'd come to kind of, you know, kind of stiff like this, like m m figuring out these complex mathematical formulas in the mind and go, do I need to be doing this right now? <laughs> but the, the mind was holding it as a habit. And it's reflected in the tension and tightness of the body. Notice this in your own experience. It also, the defilements also make the mind or condition the mind to feel very dissatisfied, very disagreeable. It's just not okay. You know, when the mind is caught up in unfulfilled desire, doubt, 
restlessness, you know, some form of aversion, irritation, frustration. It's just not okay. You know, that not okay feeling is really unpleasant. It's a very unpleasant feeling in the heart, in the mind. Or you feel vulnerable, you feel anxious, you feel doubtful or fearful, and you feel vulnerable. Vul feeling vulnerable is so unpleasant, and you can't do anything about it. You know, you can try to feel confident and feel... That feeling in the mind is very unpleasant. That's the suffering that the defilements cause us to experience. It is as if defilements enchant the mind. The defilements come, often come, with a story. They're a narrative. It's a story of our life that we're telling ourselves, often unconscious. Oh, poor me, blah, 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 blah. And we don't even know that the story is going on until we, become, until we start practice and we become aware of it. And it's as if this defilement of this one, of self-pity, just kind of casts this little fairy dust over the mind and you go into this dream-like place where, oh, poor me. <laughs> and you don't see it. It is, as Sayadaw Upandita used to say, it is a living, breathing, long-running hallucination that only we see. Other people around us, they don't see it. You don't see somebody else's wandering mind. You see your own. And the, the, the danger is, as I mentioned, we are so familiar with them. They arise so frequently, we don't even see them anymore. We don't pay attention to them anymore. We just assume, well, if we see them at all, we assume, well, that's the way I am. Dangerous, wrong belief. Another way to understand the defilements is that they come in different strengths. You know, there's the super, the venti, the whatever they're called. <laughs> there's the big one, which is big. There's the middle-sized one, which is grand. And there's the small one, which is super. You know, but they're all... <laughs> uh, the grossest form of defilements is when we're not aware of them. We don't even know it's a bad or unskillful thing to do. And we act them out with reckless abandon, feeling perfectly justified, self-righteously defensive, and as if it's a good thing. You know, whether it's being angry or being impatient or being indignant or being you know, very partisan about something. And these are particularly dangerous because we don't even know that this is an unwholesome, unskillful state of mind. And we think it is a good state of mind and that we should be doing and acting this way. And when the mind is so deluded, so ignorant of what is actually going on, we don't have any second thoughts. There's no restraint. We engage in that activity with a lot of energy, a lot of joy, a lot of enthusiasm, many times. 
the karmic result of all of that is immense. But luckily, we're not there all the time. Sometimes we're aware that what we're thinking or what we're thinking of doing or what we're fantasizing about is really not so skillful. You know, we hear we heard about it. You know, anger not so good. You know, uh, fear is kind of a bad state of mind to get caught in, or whatever jealousy. And so we know, okay, this is this is this is not a skillful state of mind. And yet, the mind is so obsessed that when it arises, you can't get rid of it. You can't you you can't distract yourself from it. I mean, we've all had this experience where. We get inflamed with some really unpleasant state of mind. And we know it's unskillful. We have enough enough self-restraint to not act it out. We're not going to punch. We're not going to write that nasty note and sign it meta. We're not going to... (laughs) But we're still inflamed and the mind is just burning up obsessively, right? Unfortunately, this is where a lot, a lot of practice takes place. Just enough awareness to see the defilements in the mind, obsessing the mind, but not yet enough wisdom to know how to let go. So we want to have this understanding that just because the mind is inflamed and obsessed with some defilement, it is not bad practice to be aware of it. Because every moment of awareness of this inflamed, suffering, defiled state of mind is a wholesome moment. It's a skillful moment. To be aware is skillful, even if what you're aware of is unskillful. This is an important right understanding, skillful understanding to have of your practice because it invites you to openly acknowledge and be willing to work with these states of mind, not as a judgment of how you're doing or how you are in life or how you're doing in your practice. But it invites you to observe them, to be with them, to learn about them in order to gather enough knowledge, enough wisdom to be free of them. Let's face it, at any time, you know, you get caught up in some painful um, defilement, defiled mental state, you can get rid of it. You know, some people drink. Some people do drugs. Some people are just online or doing their, exercising their thumbs, you know. (laughs) Or there's all kinds of distractions to temporarily take you away from. But there's no understanding there. It's just a temporary relief and it's not very satisfying at that. So, this practice invites us to take a look at and see if we can learn about the nature of these defilements because to the extent that we do understand them, 
we're not entangled in them. We become free of them to a degree. So there's this transgressive defilements where we're just acting them out willy-nilly with a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of joy, causing us tremendous unwholesome karma. Or there's the level that we're not acting it out, but it's obsessing the mind and tormenting us tenaciously. But there's another level of defilement which is important to hear about and to begin to understand. It is the wrong understandings in the mind that will arise to torment you when conditions are right. It's not happening right now. I mean, you know, maybe you're not experiencing any jealousy right now, right? Hopefully. So no jealousy right now. But if conditions change, are you free of the potential to react out of jealousy? I, that's, that's a hard one. How can we say? It's so, well, we can say that the potential is hidden. It's out of sight, but it's in the mind. And as soon as those conditions in life come around, we'll react. We'll get caught. We'll get inflamed by this defilement, which we do not yet understand correctly. And it's not only jealousy, fear, frustration, disappointment, despair, loneliness, boredom, anxiety, restlessness. There's just, well, Mahasi Sayadaw is a Burmese monk of the last century who's kind of the grandfather of this tradition of practice. And he said that, sorry, there are more than a thousand defilements. We don't have to know them all. Eventually we'll get to know them all, but <laughs> we don't have to memorize them. We just have to see and learn, learn, be willing to work with them when they arise. So this is how we should understand the defilements. They're bad, but they're an opportunity. They're not an obstacle to our practice. They're not a limitation of our life unless we don't practice with them. If we're willing to practice with them, then they're an opportunity to grow. So, how do we work with them? How do we cultivate or establish awareness of them? This is the second yogi job. The first yogi job is to understand them. The second yogi job is to be aware of them. How do you do that? The first step in working with these states of mind is to even hear that they exist, to hear that they arise, to begin to understand that they're, they're, not, they're not beneficial to you. Because then you can begin to see them in your own experience so that when they arise, you can begin to recognize them. Mindfulness, awareness, is to remember, to recognize present moment's experience. The defilements are so powerful that they enchant the mind into not paying attention to them. Mindfulness has to overcome that habit of denial, avoidance, delusion. And so the 
effort in our practice is to remember to recognize moment to moment to moment to moment. And eventually we start to see. I mean, and you've all had plenty of appearances today that you've seen. Frustration, disappointment, whatever. Why do we see them? Because we're paying attention. We're, we're, being, we're willing to acknowledge this is the way it is right now and to recognize them. But it's not easy to recognize what is so habitual in the mind. And so we have to hear talks like this. We have to remind ourselves to pay attention and especially to the most ordinary, familiar, repetitive, mundane, Thoughts in the mind. That's where the defilements hide. We think that we think it's insignificant, this thought in the mind, but it is filled with or riddled with or embedded within it are the defilements. So we want to see these thoughts. Whatever thoughts are going on in the mind. Now thoughts are not the problem. It's when we're not aware of these thoughts that the defilements take root flourish, grow, and we suffer. However, the Buddha gave this uh, discourse where he said, you know, pain in life is inevitable. But when we experience pain, if we then add a second layer of suffering to it, getting frustrated by it, disappointed by it, anxious about it. It is as if shooting ourselves a second time. When we see a defilement, when we recognize, oh, here's the state of mind, it's arisen, it's really torturous, it's obsessive, it's driving me crazy, relax. The tendency is to want to just get rid of it, isn't it? You know, you... You feel it's just like, I want to get rid of that. <laughs> it's like, I gotta, I'm going to focus on the breath harder. <laughs> you know, that'll get, that'll get rid of it. <laughs> that's, that's not it. You know, but that's the tendency. That's, that's the wrong understanding, or the impulse of the wrong understanding of how to get rid of it. Instead, we should relax and just say, okay, this is the Dharma. This is the way it is for me, for now. That's it. Relax. Because in that relaxation is acceptance, or I should say acknowledgement that this is the way it is. And it's accepting the fact that this defilement has arisen. It's not saying, I don't think it's there really, I just want to make sure it isn't. It's like fully acknowledging, just kind of coming clean and saying, yep, there it is, I'm really feeling miserable. (laughs) And it's okay. You know, if you understand that it's an opportunity, rather than an obstacle. It's okay. Saito Utejaniya, uh, one of the Burmese monks that we're, we're practicing with now, these days, says, the mind is not yours, but you're responsible for it. And what he means by that is, what arises in the mind arises without your intention, your wish, your hope. It arises out of deeply conditioned habit. And so the mind's not yours. It's, it's, got, it's got its habits that it's just throwing up all kinds of stuff. But once this arises in the mind, defilements included, we have to deal with it. We have to take responsibility for it. We have to do something with it. And if we're 
not practicing dharma and awareness will just make it worse. We'll react with another unskillful, defiled state of mind, aversion, fear, judgment, self-criticism, doubt. Or we'll react and respond with dharma practice, an understanding that we're trying to be aware of and we're not getting entangled in, we're trying to see clearly and let go of these states of mind. It makes all the difference in the world how you understand the defilements. Because you'll either work with them skillfully with Dharma practice, or you'll react with them unskillfully, strengthening them. So first we need to recognize the defilements when they arise, and then we need to relax. Relax and accept or acknowledge this is what's happening for now for me. Then what? Now we've got this defilement, it's tormenting us, it's obsessing the mind, we're relaxed. (laughs) Kind of. Now what? Well, the tendency and the push, the momentum is to act it out. If you feel angry, hey, you know, some some people, some traditions, some techniques say, if you express your anger, great, get it out. Right? Get it out, then you don't have to deal with it. Or that's a way of dealing with it. But actually, in this way of understanding, to express your anger only strengthens that habit of mind. Okay, so now we have to see that acting out the defilements only strengthens them. The, The corollary of that is exercising restraint in acting out the defilements weakens them. So we want to exercise some restraint in acting them out. So not every time you feel sleepy should you go take a nap. You know, the first couple of days, what's today? Today's Sunday? Yeah. So the first couple of days, you know, when you feel tired, you can take a nap. But after the first couple of days, that means tomorrow, uh, (laughs) uh, better take a look at that. You know, that might just be acting out this, this state of mind, this defiled state of mind. We can exercise restraint in not acting out in in many different ways. Sometimes, if you're feeling particularly angry, uh, some form of aversion, you can do a little metta as a way of calming down the heat of the aversion. Or if you're feeling very um, blaming someone for, for the conditions of your life, you can exercise or practice some forgiveness. Metta, forgiveness, uh, loving-kindness, and other, other practices to kind of address the, the urge to express are skillful use of thought. Metta is thinking. It's skillful to practice metta. Practicing forgiveness is skillful because it overcomes blame, blaming mind. So, as I mentioned, thoughts are not always the problem. We use thoughts, we can use thoughts skillfully in our Dharma practice, and we need to use thoughts skillfully in our Dharma practice. So be careful how you understand thoughts. So we recognize the defilement. We relax and accept, oh, this is the way it is for me for now. We exercise some restraint in not acting them out. And then we need to remember We need to reframe our understanding 
that this defilement that has arisen is not an obstacle. We need to remember that this is an opportunity to establish mindful awareness right here. So often we forget when the defilement arises in the mind, this, this is the object to be aware of now. This, it is, you know, when the defilements arise, they're almost always predominant, much stronger and much more apparent than the breath. So leave the breath. That, you know, the breath is not the answer when the defilements arise. It's being aware of the defilement that arises. To just try to hang on to something other than to be disturbed by the defilements, you can see what it does just by the, <laughs> you know, the hands get tight, the jaw gets gripped, and it's, it's, the mind gets tight. If the mind is tight, it's not going to be very aware. It's not going to be very open to insight. It's not going to see anything very clearly. It's just going to see tightness. So we want to, you know, relax, exercise some restraint, reframe our understanding. Saito Tejaniya again says, try to recognize that defilements are simply defilements, that they're not your defilement. Every time you identify yourself with them or reject them, you only strengthen them. The wandering mind is not the problem. The wandering mind is not the problem. Your attitude that the mind should not be wandering, that's the problem. Thoughts are just thoughts. Feelings are just feelings. Yogis often make the mistake of expecting or hoping for good experience rather than being willing and trying to work with the defilements. So let me just ask, how many of you, when you signed up for the retreat, you know, kind of anticipated, oh, great, nine days working with the defilements, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, so, so often we think, hey, nine days, quiet, calm, peace, tranquil, bliss, whatever. Wrong view. <laughs> wrong, wrong view of a retreat experience. So we should really think that a practice is about being willing to work with the defilements. Because if we're practicing correctly, we're going to see them. So we don't want to uh, overlook them. So this is the way to start to engage, to start to uh, observe the defilements without getting entangled in them. Because we need to understand them correctly. Then with that understanding, that restraint, and reframing so that we know now here's an opportunity to develop awareness, then we can pay attention. We can observe them. And mindfulness is, is really just the ability to observe what has arisen. I like to frame what it is we're observing in terms of nature. Because what arises in the body is the nature of the body. What arises in the mind is the nature of the mind. When the mind is influenced by or inflamed by a defilement, we can see that what has arisen is the nature of aversion. It is the nature of restlessness. It is the nature of jealousy. What obscures this for us is the story we tell ourselves about this experience. 
It's my jealousy. It's my anger. It's my frustration. And when we personalize the defilements, we miss the fact that what we're observing is a natural phenomena arising due to causes and conditions over which we mostly do not have control. For the most part, defilements arise not because we want them to, but because conditions have unfolded that way. And yet, have you ever had an experience? Think about this. Have you ever had an experience that you haven't woven into the story of your life? Doesn't make sense, does it? Everything that has ever happened to us, whether we had anything to do with it or not, has been woven into the fabric and the story of our life. Think about that. We have owned, we've taken on, we've, we're carrying the burden of the story around when most of what happens to us is not, our, well, not what we want, not what we wish, not what we hope for, not what we like, and yet we're still carrying it around. If we can step back and see that, oh, this aversion that has arisen is really impersonal. This jealousy is impersonal. This vulnerability, it's impersonal. And then look at it, observe it with an understanding that what we're seeing is and learning about is the nature of the state of mind. And each one of us experiences the nature of anger the same way. We each have our own story. We each have our own circumstances about that anger. But what anger does in the mind, how anger is felt in the mind, how anger conditions experience in the body, pretty universal, pretty common. How can you recognize anger, aversion, jealousy, fear in another person? Because you know it in yourself. If you don't know it in yourself, you can't recognize it. You, you may not recognize it in someone else. But because you know it in yourself, you can see it in others. That's how universal these states of mind are. And let's face it, we all experience all of them at some point in our life, and often many points in our life. What are we hiding from? Who are we hiding from? What are we pretending to be? Practice asks us to see the way things are, to observe them, to cop to the truth. This is the truth of the moment. You know, there really is no shame in being or feeling or, or, or experiencing any of these defilements. They're not who you are. They're not yours. They arise due to other conditions. Yes, we have to be responsible for them. And sometimes we're skillful at that, and often we're not. But that's what practice is all about, learning how to be more skillful in working with these impersonal states of mind. And we do that by receiving them. You know, when they arise and we observe them, we really have to feel them. And they're all unpleasant. They all feel unpleasant. And that's why we don't like to feel them. We don't like to experience unpleasantness. 
But is there anyone in the room that hasn't experienced a lot of unpleasantness today? Right? Whether we like it or not, we get to experience it. Wouldn't it be more skillful to have an attitude of, bring it on? Well, not quite. But something like, hey, unpleasantness is going to arise anyway. Why should I be afraid of it? Why should I resist it? Why should I struggle to prevent it and avoid it all the time? It's going to arise anyway. If we could shift our attitude to, well, let me just, let me just be aware of it. Let me be open to it when unpleasantness arises. Let me be with it. Let me observe it. It takes tremendous well, courage, and also understanding that this is the way it is. And we're not going to avoid it. It's not going to actually hurt us. We've experienced a lot of unpleasantness in our life. And we're still here happily going about, looking for more of it. (laughs) Right? You know what? All the unpleasantness that we've experienced in our life hasn't really hurt us that much. The mind is still here. It's ready to see this moment, the future, with bright, uncontaminated eyes. Yes, we carry around pain. I'm not denying that. Yes, we carry around fear and anxiety and trauma and all kinds of things. But still, the mind works perfectly well now, just as well now as it did before that. Think about that. No matter how much pain, no matter how much suffering you've experienced, the mind still works perfectly. It knows the next moment just as clear, just as, just as real, just as tangibly as before all that pain. Pain doesn't... I, don't, I want to be careful how I say this. I haven't really thought about how to say this. But it doesn't hurt you. It hurts, but it doesn't hurt you. If we could see that, if we could accept that, we could have tremendous courage to just say, this is pain, this is, this is unpleasant, and really experience that. And when we can, when we do have the courage to feel unpleasantness, we learn something invaluable that you cannot learn any other way. You learn that unpleasantness doesn't last very long. We can spend minutes, hours, days, weeks trying to avoid it. But when we finally just say, okay, give it to me. Let me feel it. It doesn't last very long. You know the to-do list that you have on your desk or on your computer? You know the to-do list? And that that one or two or maybe ten items that you keep pushing to the bottom of the list hoping you never get to because it's so unpleasant to contemplate doing it. But eventually the day arrives and you've got to do it. And then you say, okay, I've prepared. I'm ready to do it. What do I got to do? You sit down to do it. 
is nothing. And yet we've made such a mountain of fear and anxiety and dread over something that in actual fact, when we get to doing it, is not even half that bad. I'm not the only one that does that, right? <laughs> Has anybody else seen that? Please, I don't want to be alone. <laughs> it's true. You know, we, 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 make, we conjure up these demons in our minds that torment us with fear and apprehension. And when we get the courage finally, or the mindfulness, the momentum of mindfulness to look at it, we realize something. It doesn't last very long. This knowledge you cannot get. The self-knowledge you cannot get any other way. You can read it in a book, but it doesn't touch your heart. It only touches your head. It's when we do it ourselves on the cushion, in, in our life, in our heart, and we see it, we feel it, and we accept it, then we know. And when we do that, we get a tremendous inspiration to practice. Successfully confronting, dealing with some of the defilements when they arise, really is, infuses you with enthusiasm and inspiration and confidence for seeing what comes next. But if we keep backing off, pushing away, kind of fearful and irresolute and just kind of like, uh, it gets worse. We just get hounded by fearful demons in our own mind. In order to understand the defilements, you have to watch them again and again. What can you gain from just having or expecting good experiences? Sayadaw Utejaniya asks. If you understand the nature of the defilements, they will dissolve. Once you're able to handle the defilements, good experiences will naturally follow. That's his understanding. In order for us to have that understanding, we have to see that for ourselves. And so that's why we hear about the defilements. That's why I want to encourage you to, to understand, to think about the defilements when they arise. Think about, now what is going on here? How do I work with this? How do I now sustain the third yogi job, sustain the continuity of awareness in spite of the arising of the defilements? They arise. If we're irresolute, if we're doubtful, if we don't have the right understanding of them, we'll shy away, we'll back off, we'll push away, we'll, we'll kind of be timid, fearful, small, unconfident. We don't have to be macho about it. We just have to understand. We have to support our practice with skillful thinking. How to think about this situation. How to practice with these states of mind which are so unpleasant. And to consider, really, and to ask yourself. I'll ask you to, to remind you to ask yourself. Just ask yourself. When you get caught or when you get obsessed with some defilement, is this so bad that I can't bear it? Is this so bad that I cannot bear it? Or just ask yourself, can I bear with this for as long as it lasts? If we think, or if we assume, 
if we don't see that it's temporary and momentary, we're going to assume that it's going to last forever, like at least for the rest of the sitting, or maybe the whole retreat. Nothing that was tormenting you today lasted till now. Even though it might have thought, you might have thought so. You might have thought it would. It doesn't. It doesn't last. Remember that. So that when you do see a defilement arising in the mind, you can remember, this isn't going to last long. Let me just be with it for as long as it lasts. Encouraging yourself this way. This also is skillful use of thought in your practice. Encouraging yourself, reminding yourself, inspiring yourself to, to understand these defilements correctly and to be willing to work with them. Because we can. They only have a grip on our mind when we're unaware of them. As soon as we become aware of them and start working with them, they don't win. Mindfulness is stronger every time. We may be irresolute and we may be not so energetic sometimes, but sometimes you will be. And those are invaluable. Always remember, Saito Tejaniya says, that it is, not you, it is not you who removes the defilements. Wisdom does that job. And when you are continuously aware, wisdom unfolds naturally. It's not you who removes the defilements from the heart, from the mind. Understanding does. Wise, skillful understanding removes the defilements. Our mindful awareness grows wisdom. If you want to know about something, observe it. If you observe it long enough, you'll understand it. When you understand it, you're free of it. This is our practice. This is what we're doing here. This is why we want to take a look even at the scary places, at the fearful places, at the, the unpleasant, the painful places in our heart and mind, because we can understand them. And when we understand them, we are liberated from them. So let's sit for a moment, let the words quiet down. In order to understand the defilements, you have to watch them again and again. If you understand the nature of the defilements, they'll dissolve. And once you're able to handle the defilements, good experiences will naturally follow. So thank you for listening to the Dhamma. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.